Coming up on today's show, J.R. Barton is here as part of the 2016 GRL Blog Tour. Lisa from the novel Approach has her fall book recommendations, and we preview the Gay Romance Northwest Meetup. Welcome to the Big Gay Fiction Podcast, the show for readers and writers of gay romance fiction. If you can read it, write it, watch it, or listen to it, these two guys are going to talk about it. Now, here are your hosts, Jeff Adams and Will Knauss. Welcome to episode number 50, the Big 5-0 of Jeff and Will's Big Gay Fiction Podcast. I'm Jeff from jeffadamswrites.com. And I'm Will from willknauss.com. Five zero. Happy fifty. Happy fifty to you, sir. Quite the milestone. Yeah. Um. We don't have anything special planned. <laughs> I think the special comes episode fifty six when we celebrate a year. Uh, that's true. That's true. We're yes. six episodes away now from yeah. from celebrating a year. Mm-hmm. So that'll be that'll be fun because we we started right after GRL last year. Yes, we did. Yep. We are headed this weekend. Off to a, a, a con we've never been to. Mm-hmm. Head of the gay, ro- the gay romance Northwest meetup. It is the oh gosh, it's a mouthful of a thing to say. It, it, it's my. <laughs> <laughs> I've been bitching about this for a while. It is like the worst named event. <laughs> well, probably not ever, but really, really close to ever. Um, it's just. Ugh. It's a mouthful. It's a mouthful. It doesn't completely make sense. It's just like. I don't know. So, yeah. From now on, we will just refer to it as GRNW, which is not any easier to say, really, but still, it's better than having to, you know, mumble your... Northwest meetup. Uh, Yeah, okay. Anyway, so we're looking forward to this event, even though we're bitching about it so much already. (laughs) Indeed. We are. We're really excited to go to Seattle. Since we moved back to the West Coast uh, two years ago, we've been toying with the idea of going up to Seattle for the meetup. Uh, It's... It's a little difficult in our travel schedule because it's a month off from GRL. Yeah. And it usually, it either falls on the week of or the week immediately after Cycle for the Cause. Mm-hmm. So for me this week, I travel, I get back from New York on Tuesday. I'm home Thursday, Wednesday and Thursday, and then we're flying again on Friday to go up to Seattle. Yeah. Busy times. We're, Busy we're, times. We're jet setters. We are. <laughs> Heck yeah. But I'm psyched about the the events that are on the on the on the schedule so far for this. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a reading at Hugo House on Friday night. Uh, it starts off with trans and genderqueer and non-binary authors in a program that they're calling Transfix at seven o'clock. And then there's another program at eight thirty called Love Bits, which is readings, short readings from an array of LGBTQ romance authors. Mm-hmm. And I always love, I love readings. And I think, I think often I like readings a little bit more than you, because you just get this little snippet of stuff that might be like, I need to read that. Mm-hmm. And hear from authors that you've maybe never heard of before, or have never, you've heard of, but haven't picked up a book. And you get this little snippet that makes it just like, oh, I gotta get that. Um, and there's a lot of cool panels going on at the Seattle Public Library uh, from noon to 6 on Saturday the 24th. Uh, there's another trans authors panel that's going to be on character story and the industry. Uh, a, a panel that, whose name just I find very entertaining. Queer Swords and Odd Flowers, Sex Scenes in LGBTQ Plus Romance. And then also one called Erase No More, Bisexual Characters in LGBTQ Romance. 
I wish I could split myself up and go to all of these mm-hmm. uh, because there are ones that are against each other. Like I know trans authors and queer swords uh, happen to the same time slot, for example. Uh, there's also writer roundtable discussions. There's a character type love match reader game, a book fair, an author meet and greet. I think it's going to be a really good time. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going up there really just to hang out. I didn't I didn't register as an author. Uh, we registered the podcast as kind of being there. Uh, I think that's the kind of the capacity that we're in is like covering it essentially for the podcast a little bit. Watch our Facebook page. If you haven't liked us on at facebook.com slash podcast, you should do that because it's very possible we'll do some Facebook Live uh, while we're there. Maybe grab some authors to talk to or take a minute on a break sometime just to say, hey, here's what's going on. Uh, the attendance is free, so if you're in the Seattle area, you can check out their website at gayromancenorthwest.wordpress.com. We'll have that in the show notes, too, so you can just click on it. Uh, the attendance is free. You have to have a ticket, uh, but they haven't, at least as we're recording this uh, about a week out from the event, they have not turned off ticket purchase yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's could still be slots, so come join us there. Uh, they also have put out an anthology uh, from some of the authors who are coming there called Magic and Mayhem, which is a mix of eth- essays, 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 <laughs> and short stories uh, from the authors that are going to be there. We'll have a link to the show notes for that as well. Yeah, it's. Uh, I'm looking forward to it as well, despite my disdain for their name. Yes, um, I made that I, pretty clear. <laughs> yeah, it's it's been an event. It's been on our radar for quite a while now. Uh, and it hasn't been uh, convenient to get up to Seattle for, you know, uh, several different reasons. Uh, but this year's the year. We're finally going to check it out. And I'm really looking forward to it. It should be really cool. And the other thing we're going to look at while we're in Seattle is the Amazon bookstore. <laughs> yes. I am so... super psyched to check out the first Amazon physical bookstore. So, yes. You can hear our review of the Amazon bookstore and... Uh, our wrap-up thoughts on GRNW on the episode 52, which is going to air on October 3rd. Yes. And to make sure that you're up to date on all things going on with the podcast and get the first preview of the authors that we've got coming up on our interview schedule, make sure to subscribe to our mailing list. You can do this. It's all over our website, quite frankly. Mm-hmm. You can just go to the homepage at Gay Fiction, Gay Fiction Podcast. BigGayFictionPodcast.com <laughs> and sign up right on the homepage or you'll also find a sign up box in the top right column on every show notes page. So yeah, go do that right now. All the cool kids are doing it. That's right. And soon we will have special offers for the uh, email list, mm. folks. Uh, some little fun things coming your way that we'll unveil uh, most likely in October. Time now for the GRL Guest Author Spotlight. We're happy to welcome J.R. Barton to the podcast, this time as part of the official 2016 GRL blog tour. J.R., or Jen, as friends call her, has always been an avid reader. When she was a kid, she found a huge box of old paperbacks at a neighbor's garage sale. She offered a quarter for the entire haul and then went home and locked herself in her room to read. This fueled her love of romantic fiction and inspired her to try her hand at writing. In 2013, Jen started writing fan fiction and then began creating her own original stories in 2014. Currently, her favorite genre to read and write is contemporary gay romance. She was born and raised in Iowa and now resides in the Twin Cities of Minnesota with her partner of 17 years and two rescue dogs. Thanks for being with us, Jen. Hey, thank you for having me. That haul in the garage sale sounds like the best thing ever. 
you know, and I would go to garage sales all the time because, you know, and most of them were like Danielle Steele romances. <laughs> but, you know, they would have just these huge boxes of, of paperback books that they had already read. And um, I would actually stash them under my bed um, because I would sit on the floor and lean my back against the bed to do my homework. So when my mom would knock at the door and come in, I'd have my textbook up doing homework. But when she would leave, I'd reach under the bed and grab one of those paperbacks and there I'd have it. So I always had a stash of, of books under the bed. <laughs> I envision you reading like with the flashlight under the, under the sheet tent. Oh yes, <laughs> totally, totally. Yep. Yep. So now your newest book, Unfinished, came out at the end of August, and it's about two men who meet while they're getting semicolon tattoos, and in fact, you put a semicolon in the title, taking the place of the first I. Mm -hmm. Now, tell us what this book's about and the significance of those semicolons. Yeah, absolutely. Um, You know, Unfinished is, and in fact, I have to give credit to one of my friends who actually came up with the idea of adding the semicolon in the title which I think is, it, it really makes it, I love it. Um, and then adding some of the semicolons in the book, I use them as the separators between POVs. Sure. So I try to incorporate it as much as possible. But, um, you know, my wife um, has um, bipolar disorder and was diagnosed about 15 years ago. And last year she was getting a semicolon tattoo. And um, basically the semicolon has it started as just a simple project somebody um in 2013 said told people to write a semicolon on their wrist with um permanent marker with like a sharpie um to symbolize sort of their story is not over yet kind of the way the semicolon is used in a sentence um it could have ended with a period but they put a semicolon and then you know the next clause is attached to that previous phrase so basically they're saying your story's not over yet you still have more to do in this life and it's really um been embraced by anybody with any sort of mental health issue anybody who's had family friends whether it's suicide self-harm anxiety depression any of those um and you know when you go online now and search semicolon tattoos oh my gosh um if you do it you can uh totally be just overwhelmed with everybody's posts you know they're they're putting them into butterflies and hearts and infinity symbols and writing the words um you know love is the answer and replacing the i with a semicolon so um while i was sitting there at the tattoo shop while she was getting her tattoo and our tattoo artist said oh my gosh i'm doing these all the time it was like ding mm. <laughs> there was the light bulb i'm like that that i would love to write a story about that you know because i've been wanting to really write something a little bit heavier into my writing because before that it's been a little bit lighter a little fluffier um and i've been wanting to really bring mental health awareness to the forefront and and do it in my own way through the book. So that's kind of how it all started sitting there in the tattoo shop, the plot bunnies were going. (laughs) So tell us about the two guys in the book. Yeah. Um, you first meet Garrett and, um, Garrett is one of those kind of typical, um, introverted techie guys who talks, you know, 
to the computer much better than he does to people. Um, and we find out that his last serious relationship was with um, a man who was diagnosed as bipolar, but basically chose to do nothing about it. And ultimately, it's what destroyed their relationship. Um, uh, Pierre is his ex, and he's currently, it got so bad with his um, impulsivity and everything that he's actually serving a seven-year sentence in jail. So um, Garrett gets his semicolon tattoo as sort of a reminder. He makes it big and bold on his arm. He wants to never forget what happened. He blames himself um, because he saw the signs and he never said anything. He basically just let the relationship fall apart. He didn't even officially break it off until um, Pierre was um, incarcerated and Mm -hmm. let Pierre kind of say, I'm going to jail, bye, you know? So, um, uh, Dev, then he meets at the tattoo shop. Dev is kind of the opposite in terms of extroverted, just fun, loving, um, enthusiastic guy, very generous, um, very blunt. Um, and he's covered in tattoos. So when he comes to get his semicolon tattoo, I think he's on a 69th tattoo is what he, yeah, technically it's 69th. So, um, he gets it because he does, um, he does have bipolar depression. So he adds a semicolon, just sort of a smaller semicolon, um, to some of his others, um, just as a reminder, basically it's his eighth year with his diagnosis. Um, and so initially Deb is, he's immediately attracted to Garrett. Garrett's a little afraid of him. (laughs) They end up meeting, um, at a club and end up hooking up. Um, it's sort of a surprise to Garrett, not so much to Dev because, you know, he's kind of wanted this. Um, and the, the relationship stays casual, sort of, they both kind of realize that it's something a little more. Um, and then Dev gets to the point of confiding in Garrett and saying, you know what, um, before this gets any more serious, I need to let you know that I do have bipolar depression. Um, so it's really how Garrett handles that, um, knowing that that's his biggest fear really is that (laughs) he's going to end up liking somebody, caring about somebody who has the same disorder that his ex had. So, um, the first half is really dealing with that. The second half then, um, deals with, it's a, it really ends up being a lot about Garrett because he has a lot of growing to do and he um, he has to come to terms with the fact he's been blaming himself for so long, um, thinking that it's his fault. And um, he hasn't been in touch with Pierre since um, he went to jail. So there are some pretty powerful moments where he talks, he finally gets a therapist, starts working through some of those issues. Um, and then also um, meeting up with Pierre for the first time in three years, um, visiting him in jail and actually having that conversation saying, I'm so sorry, it's my fault. And Pierre saying, don't be so self-absorbed, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's not all, you know, I, I did this. I own what I did. Um, so um, definitely a happy ending with both Devin Garrett, but there are, um, what I really wanted to do was, um, change the way people saw in particular bipolar 
because so much of what we hear is, um, oh, he committed a crime. Oh, he, he, he committed suicide. Oh, he did this really bad thing. And it's so focused on just sort of criminal acts and the really negative side of bipolar. And so I wanted to present it for the most part, Dev, he's, you know, got his life together. You know, he's very in touch with his illness. He's made it a part of him. And he is, a, he's a very successful social worker at an LGBT um, uh, homeless shelter and um, does great things. So I wanted more of the message to be, you know, you can look at somebody um, and not know that they have bipolar their life is great. They're doing great things. It's because they've really taken ownership and they've managed it. Um, so I wanted it more to be about hope, not the, oh, poor me. I have, you know, a mental health issue. Feel sorry for me. So I was going for the, the hopeful, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. that you can kind of live an ordinary life. Ordinary, if anybody does that. <laughs> so as we're talking at this mm-hmm. point, the, the book's been out almost two weeks. How's the response been so far? You know, it's been incredible. Um, and I, <laughs> I told one of my friends um, this morning um, when she messaged me earlier that I've, I've pretty much been crying almost every day. And um, there are happy tears. You know, people who don't necessarily feel comfortable writing a review um, have emailed me or messaged me through Facebook. Um, things saying things that I never imagined um, I hear about a book that I wrote. You know, I've, I've felt it before about some of my favorite authors, you know, in their books, like, oh, you know, I would, that was such a great story or it touched me or it really moved me, it changed me. Um, and then to hear one woman in particular uh, messaged me through um, my Facebook page and said um, she saw my book in one of the Facebook groups and normally she doesn't. Normally she only spends two ninety nine on a book because that's what's in her budget. And if you don't have Kindle Unlimited, mine is currently at three ninety nine. So she said, "But I read the synopsis and I just kept thinking about it and thinking about it, and I decided to go for it." Um, and she said, "You know, I really started thinking about my life and what I'm doing." And um, she started reading it, and um, she said, I've done, I've made a decision, you know, she's like, I'm, I'm doing something about this. Um, so I went to her Facebook page and she basically, as a result of reading the synopsis and starting the book, she came out is what she called it with her depression and anxiety on her Facebook page and just said, this is me. You don't know it to look at me, but this is what I struggle with every day. And I'm putting myself out there because we need more awareness. We need more people to hear about this. Um, so I was just completely blown away. It was amazing. And um, turns out she's a nurse too. And she said, as a person in the medical profession, by hiding all of this, what am I doing? What sort of message am I giving? Um, so she said, you know, if if this helps just one person, um, if I can help um, some people better now that I'm, you know, more comfortable with kind of accepting this as a part of me, then um, then I'm a better person and a better nurse for mm-hmm. it, a better professional. So, yeah. So that was very cool. <laughs> yeah. What was the writing process like? Because you certainly, it sounds like there's a lot in play in this book between dealing with two characters who have 
mental illness, in this case the bipolar, the the guy who's kind of, you know, in the aftermath of one and leading into right. another. There's a lot of stuff going on there. Yeah, and um, there, I really do, um, I built a pretty big story, and you know, uh, I'm not a typical, <laughs> I'm definitely in terms of um, you know, being an outliner or a pantser, you know, when they say about how you write, um, I, I'm a fly by the seat of my pants kind of person. I try so hard to be disciplined. I want to write every day. I want to hit a goal every day. I want to outline and have this perfect story idea. Um, this one, I actually, for the first time, wrote um, out of order, it wasn't linear for me. And typically I do, it's very important for me to kind of start at the beginning and just go through. And if I go back and add, that's fine. But for me, there's something just about writing from the beginning to the end um, that just kind of feels more natural to me. So this one, um, I just wrote as sort of scenes came into my head, as ideas came into my head. And then oftentimes one scene would just naturally flow into the next for me. Um, I can say that, um, you know, even though the book is complete fiction, um, you know, characters and everything are made up, there are definitely scenarios in there that um, have sort of have happened in my life, in my relationships, similar types of things. So that shaped the story a lot too is um you know this is this is how this came about in my life and um this is what it's been like having a partner you know um with bipolar um and who you know my wife's been hospitalized three times um and she's gosh I mean it really life has changed significantly um you you can't help but have to alter your life. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was it was great writing this story because I really, instead of an outline or anything, I just kind of let it go and just wrote and then kind of pieced everything together. Um, I had some really fantastic beta readers who um, came in and said, oh, a little bit more here or a little bit more here. And, um, and that really helped me um, because I was really so personally attached to the story, mm-hmm. I really it was really important to me to get outside readers to make sure that this wasn't so internal, you know, that people reading it would kind of feel the same way, that it wasn't just me kind of writing for my own catharsis. Right. right. <laughs> yeah. Has your wife read it? She has read parts of it. Um, I asked her to write the foreword. Um, mm-hmm. So in the book... Um, I do a brief, um, kind of a brief just introduction and a trigger warning about some of the topics. Um, and that's where I also say, this is from my perspective. Um, I'm not a mental health professional, you know, and I also give resources. So I have um, uh, the Nos- National Mental um, Illness Alliance information and the suicide prevention hotline information because I wanted to make sure that I put that out there too. But then Sherry, um, my wife wrote, um, wrote the foreword and it's, um, it's a pretty honest, um, presentation. You know, she says, if you're looking for a fairy tale romance, don't read this book, (laughs) (laughs) you know, it's this, there are some hard subjects in here and I live with this, 
disorder every single day and it is hard. Mm-hmm. Um, so I felt that I wanted to include her um, and I really felt that having her write that forward to, I don't know, would add maybe a little credibility um, um, there are people more for what they were getting into yes. so um, I've run scenes by her and she knows the book and everything she, do, she doesn't do um, she doesn't really read a lot and she doesn't read a lot of MM um, so she's read sections of it but not the whole thing so okay. she, she does eventually want to want to read the whole thing so yeah cool. <laughs> so what are you looking forward to in Kansas City this year my gosh, um, everything. <laughs> That's a good answer. Um, I, yeah, I was, um, I was overwhelmed last year. It was my first GRL. Um, totally overwhelmed. Um, I had a great roommate who basically said, um, take the time you need. It was a roommate I hadn't met before. We just met there. Um, take the time you need. Um, come back to the room if you have to, you know, kind of let yourself adjust to this. Um, and by the end I was all in, you know, I'm like, I'm ready. And it was like the last day, like, Oh, (laughs) I have to go home. Um, and it was, you know, I had never been to San Diego before and it was so hot last year. It was hotter than it normally was. And so I'm like, Oh my gosh, I hate the heat. You know, I'm like, and here I am. So it didn't affect me at all. Um, so this year now, I'm actually going to be there um, with a good friend of mine. I talked her into going, and so we're rooming together. And um, looking forward to seeing a lot of the people that I met last year, um, people I just sort of met in passing. Like, I remember meeting you, but not really having much of a conversation. So I'm looking forward to, like, getting, sort of reintroducing myself mm-hmm. to people. I think I had just had my first book out for five months at the time I went to GRL. So now it's been a full year and a half, you know, and I've got um, three books and a short story Mm -hmm. out. So um, I feel like people kind of will know me a little bit better um, and maybe have a better idea of what I'm about and what I write about. But um, just the whole experience, I love just being able to go around and talk about, I'm so passionate about, writing and about writing about men and, (laughs) you know, and just sort of bringing, incorporating some of these just regular old issues into those relationships. Um, And I love just being able to sit down with somebody and start talking about it or bring up a book, you know, and, oh yeah, I read that. I love that. You know, I can't do that every day with my friends here. (laughs) So um, it's um, yeah. So I'm looking forward to that and um, just sort of, being a little bit better at it this second year around, you know, um, being better about going up to people and talking to people and, uh, and being confident about what I write. Mm -hmm. That's also kind of been an issue. Like I can talk about everybody else's books. Absolutely. No problem. But I have a hard time sort of putting, being a salesperson for myself. (laughs) So, um, I want to, I want to do more of that too. Good. And with this book, you yeah. definitely should, I think. Yeah. This this is one that hits so many so many points that people should just read and, and right. be aware of. 
and well, I'm, most of, a lot of my swag this year is going to have a semicolon. Um, I have semicolon temporary tattoos and semicolon magnets and charms and stuff like that. So um, if you don't know about it before GRL, I'm going <laughs> to, you're going to know about it after. That's good. <laughs> Lots of semicolons. <laughs> so what's the best way for everyone to keep up with you online? Um, you know, I spend most of my time on Facebook. Um, and so my Facebook page is under J.R. Barton. Um, and then I also, so I have a specific page, author page, and then I also have my J.R. Barton, my regular um, account under Facebook. Um, and then I, I also write um, a blog. It's not very consistent, but um, there is some, the last several um posts have had a lot to do with um with the book and leading up to the book so it gives there's a lot of perspective um about um my life one of the posts says um it's our story's not over yet so really it's about me and sherry and kind of going through this journey um and that's um jrbarton.wordpress.com so um uh i'm also on twitter jen rescue mama <laughs> <laughs> Referring to my rescue dogs and the fact that uh, we've fostered a whole bunch of dogs. So, Jen Rescue Mama. And then I'm also on Instagram under J.R. Barton. And um, my email, too, is jrbartonauthor at gmail.com. So, um, any of those ways. But most frequently, I'll I'll be on Facebook. You'll almost always see a little green light next to my <laughs> name. <laughs> Even when I'm working from home, when I get a break, you know, I'm, I'm like, oh, let's go check Facebook. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Well, Jen, thank you so much for being with us. And we look forward to seeing you in Kansas City. Absolutely. Well, thank you very much. See you there. <laughs> you can follow the GRL blog tour by going to gayromlit.com slash 2016 blog tour. The podcast has teamed up with the authors that we're hosting on the GRL Tour to give away a 7-inch Fire tablet that's loaded with books from our guests. In addition, I've added books in, as as Wild City Press, with a package of books from their authors that are attending GRL. You can see the rafflecopter to enter, to enter the giveaway, which is on episode 50's show notes. The big GRL blog tour giveaway will run through Sunday, October 23rd, which is the day that GRL closes. And in addition, if you go to the show notes page, you'll find a list of all the participating authors who have books on the fire. Now, you need a word for the week to get your bonus entries. And this week, in honor of GRNW, that word is Seattle. S-E-A-T-T-L-E. So you can put that in to get your bonus entries for this week and increase your odds of winning. Mm. So it's Fall TV premiere week. Fall TV! <laughs> do, you remember, do you remember the specials they used to have? Oh my god, yes. <laughs> There was always the one for the primetime shows and always the one for the Saturday morning cartoons, oh which were the best. God, those were the best things ever. Uh, and I have to say, it was a good throwback that NBC did this year with the cast of Superstore. They did an excellent fall preview. Um, we, absolutely hilarious. Yeah, we happened to catch it. It was on Esquire Network, I think. It was one, on one of NBC's multitude of cable channels, and we recorded it on a whim... And I think we said, even as we did it, if Superstore does this in character, it's going to be a hoot. They did it in character, and it was a hoot. Managing to combine things going on in Cloud9 and tying those uniquely back to NBC shows. Yeah. My favorite was putting Mateo into the bag 
for uh, for what is that show called? I can't even remember the one that's got the the woman who is all the tattooed and in the bag because we don't watch that show. But that was a hysterical moment. Oh, so uh, crazy! If you could find that on NBC.com or something, watch that thirty minutes because it was awesome. Yes. <laughs> um. So yeah, TV essentially starts up again this week mm-hmm. after you know the summer short short run shows that were on. Um, I've got a couple things I'm really looking forward to. Uh, this is Us, which is going to be on NBC's Tuesdays at 10, and it starts on September 20th. From the previews I've seen of this so far and what I've read, it looks like it's kind of a blend of 30-something with a little bit of maybe the good seasons of Parenthood in there. Um, it's got Justin Hartley, uh, who for a long time was the Green Arrow back on Smallville. And it's also got, yes, it's got Jess. From the Gilmore Girls, Milo Ventimiglia. Yes, I won't begrudge him for being for being Jess. Um, and actually, I can't. Even, on the previews, I have a hard time even recognizing him in the beard uh, as being Jess. So, this show looks really good. And I'm kind of psyched to see it. Um, Speechless is a sitcom on ABC, which will be on Wednesdays at 8:30, starting September 21st. Um, this is a sitcom about a family who one of the teenagers. Uh, has cerebral palsy, and this teenager is portrayed by an actor who has cerebral palsy, although the character he's playing has palsy worse than he does, and he actually has to speak with one of the laser pointer uh, things so that he types out his words, uh, I guess much like uh, Stephen Hawking does. Mm -hmm. Um, This looks very witty, very heartwarming. Uh, The pre-reviews have been really good, so I'm curious to see uh, what it's like. And it's got, oh, I didn't write this down. Who's the actress? Mindy Driver. Yes. Is, plays the mom. And it looks charming. Yeah. Now, I know from talking before the show, you're not really looking forward to anything new coming this season. True? Well, I won't say that I'm not looking forward uh, to anything. Uh, Those two shows that you actually just mentioned... Uh, I am looking forward to giving those a try. Um, what I really meant <laughs> when we spoke before the episode started, uh, there's like nothing that like I'm I'm dying to watch. Um, I think uh, I'm a little gun shy uh, when it comes to starting new shows. Uh, mm. in- inevitably, you see something that you know the commercials look absolutely amazing, and you're all psyched about it, and then you yeah. watched it, and it's like. Eh. Or you happen to find a show that's really super amazing and then uh, it gets pulled after a couple of episodes because you're the only person in America watching it. So uh, I I am personally cagey about new shows, uh, but I'm willing to give them a shot. Uh, especially those two that you just mentioned. I think those both are really good. And I feel the same way. I'm I'm in that boat that you just described with NBC's Timeless, which is the new time travel show. The previews look really good. I'm kind of intrigued, and I'm like, do I really want to go down that path Mm -hmm. where I'm either going to get pissed off because the the mythology goes somewhere stupid, or it gets pulled, or it gets yanked around, or whatever. So I I get where you're coming from. Um, In terms of returning shows, I'm kind of all about the CW for the stuff I'm really super psyched about. Uh, The Flash on Tuesdays at 8. It's going to be back October 4th. I'm dying to see what happens now that Barry's mucked up the timeline and and rescued his mom. Um, Spoiler, if you hadn't finished last season. Sorry about that. Um, And we've talked about Crazy Ex-Girlfriend a lot. I'm so interested to see where season two 
takes that show, mm-hmm. um, given where they ended last season. Yeah, definitely. What about you? Um, for returning shows, uh, yeah, for the first time in a long time, uh, I'm eager to see some comedies. I think there's been an interesting comedy resurgence. Uh, when it comes to network television, there's, you know, always the same old, same old. There's, you know, a million different procedurals, you know, cop shows, medical shows, same old, same old stuff. We'll always have that. But right now there seems to be a renaissance with uh, new edgy comedies and superhero shows. Uh, So for the first time in a long time, uh, I'm looking forward to some of the new comedies. Um, Specifically, I love Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. I'm looking forward to the return of um, Superstore. Mm-hmm. Uh, fell in love with that last season. Uh, it's going to be uh, amazing this year, too. I just know it. Yeah. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. And um, I am looking forward to the superhero shows that we watch. Uh, Jeff and I mainly um, focus on the Greg Berlanti shows. Uh, but there are, of course, lots of other superhero shows to choose from. There's, you know, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and Gotham and, you know, other other stuff. There's everything they've got on Netflix. Um, so uh, it's a good time to be a geek and it's a good time to be a superhero fan. Um, I am looking forward to the Berlanti show this, this season. Mm-hmm. Um, while certain storylines from certain shows last year I wasn't super crazy about. Um, I try not to hold that against them because, uh, as we know, uh, superheroes on TV are a thousand times better than what we've been given uh, from superheroes in the movie theaters. Amen. (laughs) Um, God, what a horrible summer we just had for (laughs) superhero movies. Um, I, personally did not go once to the movie theaters this year. Um, Yeah, I went to Star Trek Beyond without you. Yeah. And after that, I can't remember the last one we saw in the theater. So it's been a long, dry summer for uh, movies. Uh, Hopefully, once we get through all these, you know, snooze-inducing Oscar bait movies... We can get back to some good stuff. The movie that I'm looking forward to, I could tell you, is that musical that's coming with Ryan Gosling. And that could be interesting. That looks really good. You're right. That could yeah. be very interesting. So, yes, I am looking forward to some of the really big changes uh, Greg Berlanti is making to his superhero shows. Uh, specifically, of course, Supergirl is now moving to the CW, uh, and that will institute some very big changes now that it's no longer on CBS. Uh, so uh, I'm looking forward to that. It'll be very interesting to see what direction the show goes in. And uh, also the really big cuckoo banana changes that Flash is going to have to go through now that he has done some... Uh, uh, shenanigans with the time stream and yeah. all sorts of other stuff that has uh if you've been reading any of the pre-press about the show uh all sorts of shenanigans are going on he messed up a whole bunch of stuff yep so, that he did so it should be an interesting season for barry and the gang on the flash and i'm looking forward to the so what they're calling it for december for the four episode crossover mm-hmm. and the second half of the season uh, Flash Supergirl musical episode. Which will be, you know... Well, we shall see. Uh, we shall see. I'm not 
quite sure that'll make sense, but... Uh, we'll I probably see. don't care if it makes sense or not. <laughs> we'll see if that makes uh, if that uh, works out. I'm not too sure about that. I'm 100% confident. <laughs> um, so we should throw things over to Lisa from The Novel Approach. She joins us this week. She's got three book recommendations, but she also talks about uh, Band Book Week, which is coming up next week. So I'm happy to welcome back Lisa from The Novel Approach. Uh, it's great to have you back with us. It's been a while. Thank you. Thank you. It's great to be here. It has been a long time. GRL has, has been taking up a lot of your time. Yeah, uh-huh. everybody's time, yeah, and getting ready for it. Uh, yeah. So I know you're getting ready for yeah. a great blog feature on Band Book Week. Uh, tell us about that. Yeah, well, September 26th through October 1st, uh, here in the United States, the American Library Association and the Office for Intellectual Freedom um, celebrate membership. So this is this is a week dedicated entirely to uh, the librarians, the heroes of, of intellectual freedom. For all of us, uh, put together this week to uh, recognize the fact that books, even in this day and age, are still being challenged, and are uh, people are attempting to have these books banned from libraries, from public libraries and school libraries, uh, as well as classrooms, uh, based upon the fact that they are in, in any way, shape, or form diverse, whether it's racial diversity, uh, whether it's gender diversity, religious, uh, sexuality, a variety of different reasons. Um, these are books that are in the company of, uh, of books over decades. Catcher in the Rye, uh, I Know Why the Caged Bird Sings, uh, To Kill a Mockingbird. Um, these are books that uh, as recently as Harry Potter have been challenged for promoting Satanism. You know, uh, uh, Two Boys Kissing, David Levithan's classic novel uh, um, because it promoted public displays of affection, you know, and homosexuality. Um, I Am Jazz, the book about the transgender teen, challenged because it it, uh, it, it promotes, uh, again, alternative life not lifestyle, that's a poor choice of words, but uh, a diverse, a diverseness of sexuality and identity. Um, and so these are, this, this is an entire week for, for, for all of us to come together and, and celebrate our love of reading and our love of books and, and the fact that, uh, you know, we don't want others to be, to be the voice of, uh, of censorship and what we what we are able to have access to and what our children are, are able to have. Uh, so these underpants series are challenged as inappropriate for their age group. And I can personally say that both of my sons read all of the Captain Underpants books and they've grown up to be just fine. And so, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's a recognition of our ability to choose what we, what we want to read and accessible uh, those books that we choose to read and not have to uh, succumb to the opinions of others on what is and is not morally and ethically appropriate reading material. So I'm doing a, a celebration that week of of the freedom to read 
So I've got a, a lineup of 11 authors right now. Blogs, uh, um, just to, to name a few, Edmund Manning joining us, Brandon Witt, uh, Jordan Castillo-Price, Jordan L. Hawk, Reese Ford. So I've got I've got a, a really really great great lineup. R.J. Scott and 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 is there. But yeah, so it's just going to be a week of everyone coming together and uh, and celebrating our love of reading and the gift of words and the gift of your uh, uh, your artistry and just a celebration. And the American Library Association, I believe it's ALA.org, is their is their website. Uh, there is there is also a campaign where folks can sign up to. Uh, have their social media um, give access to their social media for a, uh, a social media wide blog post just saying hey it's banned books week it's something that's automatically done it's going to be 8 a.m i believe at 8 a.m eastern time on september 26th it's just going to be a massive campaign for the american library association to get the word out that hey it's being books week so uh, I'm looking really forward to that. That's going to be a fun celebration. And what I have out. Yeah, we're looking forward to, to seeing what you've got on the blog that week. We'll certainly retweet and, and repost and share everything you put out that week to our audience. I think that'll be great to, for them to see. And we'll put in the show notes, too, the links to ALA so that people can be a part of that uh, yeah. big blast that'll come up next week. And so you've also read a couple books that you're excited about. Uh, what are your book recommendations for this week? I have. Well, I'm going to tell the one that I'm really excited about, first of all. It comes out September 20th. And uh, this is uh, imagined within the uh, Infected series by Andrea Speed. And this is her spinoff for uh, Holden, one of her characters in this book that was uh, kind of, kind of, uh, Ron's sidekick, his sort of uh, kind of a doppelganger in a way, just uh, had you know had uh, Ron's back at every turn, and so uh, this is is infected Holden. Uh, mean Streets is is kind of the the subtitle of the new series, and this is about Holden taking over Ron's investigation business, his private investigation business, and uh, it's going to be kind of a paranormal noir. I believe sort of feel to it. If it, you know, I haven't read, it, but if I have, if I have to guess, I would guess that Andrea is going to go with that kind of noirish feel. And and Holden is uh, he's a regular kind of badass. Kind of, am I allowed to say ass? I just said it twice. Cover your ears, kids. Um, but he's yeah, he's uh, he's just uh, he lives by his own code, lives by his own set of rules. He uh, is former former rent boy. You know, so he's been out on the streets and he uh, he knows how to carry himself and he knows how to handle a weapon. And uh, he'll kind of, you know, he'll he shank you for, you know, for looking at him crosswise. That's kind of what Holden's like. So I'm really excited about that. That one's going to be a fun, fun new branch off to the series absolutely love so i'm looking really forward to that one and we'll get uh sure we'll get more of her hockey boys in there too which i know you can appreciate the hockey boys oh, and yeah. uh yeah yeah so that that's going to be a fun one looking forward to that september 12th from dsp publications that one's coming out so mystery suspense paranormal it's got it all action and everything i'm sure so yeah so that one that one was uh that one's a, a fun one 
But I agree that there were a couple of books that I was really super excited about that I just read recently. Um, one of them actually was an audiobook. And I know that I talked to you a couple of podcasts ago about uh, Jordan L. Hawk's uh, Hex Worlds mm-hmm. series and the book Hexbreak. Well, I got the opportunity to listen to it on audio, narrated by Tristan James, who is one of the mayors in this uh, in this genre, and uh, it was it you know for reading the book and, and and immersing yourself in that world in the hex world that that Jordan is building. Uh, it, reading it was was pretty phenomenal, but listening to it just took it up just another level. Uh, Tristan James just brought so much uh, energy to the narration of the book and his accents, you know, reading book, you don't always think in New York City in the 19th century that the the accents I expected you know American accent well uh, the accents for for Cicero and Tom Cicero's is kind of a, a East London Cockney I suppose I don't know uh, if that's the correct terminology but he had this kind of a kind of a East London sort of accent and and then Tom's Irish brogue it just really uh, it brought the characters to life in such a that was really exciting, and and then there was and suspense, and he's a, he's really a phenomenal narrator. It was the first time I had ever listened to him, and I was really excited about that. So if if anybody who has read the book or or hasn't read the book, if they if you love audio books, it's really a, an outstanding audio book. And I'm not much of an audio book listener. I tend to. Uh, find that my mind t- tries to want too much, but I was just, I mean, a stupid story. This is going to make me look like the dumb blonde, but I was on a walk and I was listening to it and I was so, uh, so engrossed in the thing that I'm wrong and went like a half mile before I realized that I didn't know where I was going. <laughs> so, yeah, so, so I got an extra mile in on my walk because I was so enraptured with the story that I turned on way. That was, that's a good one. I highly recommend that one. Um, yeah, and then the other book that I just read, and I think that uh, last time we had talked about the St. Flaherty series, S. Hunter Nisbet St. Flaherty mm-hmm. series, and uh, I hadn't read The Mercy of Men at that particular point in time. It was up next on my list. Well, since then, I've read that book, not only that one, but I've also read her newest book, uh, All Roads Lead to Hell. So that gives you kind of a picture of, of what this series about is about, the uh uh, what Boys Are Made Of, The Mercy of Men, and then All Roads Lead to Hell is book 1.5. So it knocks in between books one and two, two uh, the full-length books of the series, uh, All Roads Leads to Hell, is is a shorter novel, and I say short because it's like still almost 200 pages. But uh, it, it's it's a unique it's a unique uh, book within the within the scope of the series because it's only got a single narrator, which the other books are told from multiple points of view, and then it's told by a character that uh, that I would have maybe said was more of a secondary minor character uh, up to this point, but a lot of revealing uh, of. Things within the series that that is uh, is teasing out 
you know, so you'll read something and then you go back and read 1.5 and go, oh, God, that makes so much sense. So this uh, this is really this series is going down as, as a favorite of 2016. I mean, it's just it, the it, it's a it's dark and, and dismal and gritty and dystopian. And uh, it, it's it, it's not a unicorns and rainbows kind of read, but it's just really a phenomenal series. She is uh, she's doing a fantastic job of of world building and uh, teasing things out and uh, things that you think, okay, I get it. You don't really get it until she gives you one, one more little part of the puzzle later on, you know, or, or in this case in between uh, with, with the 1.5 book. So yeah, it's really, she has for, for, from everything that I can see at this point, she has really plotted the crap out of this series because it's just, it's all coming together. So, uh, and I don't want to say slowly because that makes it terrible. It, it's coming together in, in pieces and segments that, that just make you go, holy crap. Mm. So it's just, yeah, it's, it's a great, great series so so that one's another one i'm telling you I buy these books i would buy you know but again they're not to everybody's taste not, they're not in fluffy houses and there's a lot of, you know it's it's a uh, kind of when when comparing it to our our own sociological and 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 societal kind of morals and and, and codes and cues it's it's uh, it, it doesn't it doesn't align with with our 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 way of thinking, but it's just a really uh, it's just a really really beautifully plotted series. So yeah, it's one of those where it's like, please read it, but it's not for everybody. But it's really awesome. So yeah, I can hi- highly recommend that one too. Yeah, and since Very we talked nice. about that one the first time, it's been on my TBR. Uh, yeah, and I'm going to keep adding these books in, and I hope I I'll eventually get to the. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, it's it, the thing is, is again, I said, you know, books one and two—they're not short books. I mean, she, this world that she's building is 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 uh, it, it's really, it, it's kind of, it's impressive. It's very impressive how much thought that she's really put into into this, and uh, and even going back to like the you know our our own knowledge of the Civil War in the 1860s, uh, you know where brothers fought against brothers on opposite sides of the war. She's even brought in even those little tiny minor things, you know, that is really shaping. Uh, particularly Mick in in uh, in All Roads Lead to Hell, that it's really shaped who he was because, without giving too much away, he and his brothers fought on the opposite sides of the war. So it's really a it's really an interesting dynamic from uh, from a human standpoint and a societal standpoint that uh, you know. It's it's very kind of almost not Big Brother, but that kind of dystopian feeling mm-hmm. where everything is just you know the syndicates, which is kind of a, a mafia, uh, are the norm. They're the they're the rule rather than the exception in the city, and and so it's it's just very much uh, uh, yeah very kind of backwards sort of 
mirror image of, of the way our society is, you know, so it's a lot of fun, a lot of fun. Cool. All right. Well, Lisa, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we will link up to all the books you recommended uh, in the show notes, and we look forward to following along with the authors you've got next week uh, for Band Book Week. Thank you. I am looking forward to it, too. I'm excited. So we thank Lisa for coming and talking to us, especially about Band Book Week, which we're excited to see the content that the Novel Approach puts out on that next week. So watch either the Novel Approach site itself or watch our Twitter feed and Facebook page, and we'll be sharing out that content so that you don't miss any of it. Yes, looking forward to that. Uh, coming up next week in episode number 51, we talk to B and Leah Koch. They're the owners of the Ripped Bodice Bookstore in L.A. Uh, we're going to get all the info about how they started this unique endeavor uh, and how things are going. Yeah. At the Is it the only all-romance bookstore in the U.S.? Yes. Amazing. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. And that'll do it for us for this week, so we'll see you back here for episode 51. See you next time, guys. Thank you for listening to Jeff and Will's Big Gay Fiction Podcast. New episodes are available every Monday at iTunes and other major podcast outlets. While there, subscribe to the show and please consider leaving a review. For detailed show notes, links, and to sign up for the monthly newsletter, visit BigGayFictionPodcast.com.